Coming up on this episode of Nintendo Cartridge Society, Star Wars, The Godfather, Lord of the Rings, Great Things Come in Threes. We're talking our favorite Nintendo trilogies. It's dangerous to go alone, so the Nintendo Cartridge Society goes with you. Welcome to Nintendo Cartridge Society. My name is Patrick Ellis, joined as always by my co-host Mark Mitchell, who was making me laugh towards the end of that introduction. You were making me laugh because when you were doing the like grand pronouncements of the trilogies, yes. you, were sw- you were switching hands that you were <laughs> pronouncing with. I was like, gesticulating far and wide. Yeah. Star Wars. <laughs> but then you had to like r- hand the mic off to yourself each time you did it. It was great. I enjoyed it. It was There's it was a perfect. there's a whole element of theatricality that only you get to see. <laughs> yeah, that's true. We're very expressive. Mm-hmm, very much so. Uh, Mark, how are you? Doing really good. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, all right. Um, I would also say that I am doing well. We have these glasses of water. It's making me happy. I'm happy to have it. I did feel you, hydrated. Did you know the room temperature water is, it does a better job of cooling you down than cold water? Uh, it, it, of cooling you down or of hydrating you? Of cooling you down. So if you're like mm-hmm. really hot mm-hmm. uh, and you want to drink water to cool down, drink room temperature water. It'll actually lower your body temperature faster. I'm assuming that's because your body has to do more work to warm cold water anyways. Right, to make it something. So I guess maybe hydrate is also part of that. Um, when I was living in Hawaii at one point, I stayed out in the sun for too long um, because I didn't. I was not used to living that close to the equator. <laughs> I was used to living in Wisconsin. <laughs> um, and uh, I had to, I tried to drink a lot of water to cool myself down, but I drank like ice cold water because I was like, colder water will be better for hot Patrick. Right. Um, and then I threw it all up. <laughs> oh, gross. I mean, it's not that gross because it's just water. No, that's so everyone throws gross. Up, everyone throws up, Mark. Every, wh- when's the last time you threw up? Uh, actually, a pretty long time ago. Um, I used to throw up a lot more before I stopped eating meat. Oh, I used to be wow. kind of a regular vomiter. Oh, wow. Which is kind of a gross thing about me. Um, but if, from uh, like middle school until like after college, uh, I would probably uh, get a headache uh, and vomit about once a month. You got like meat sw- sick. Yeah, I, I got meat sick. That's crazy. And now that doesn't happen to me anymore. Yeah, that's great. And I look, I know that that's not for everyone. And this is a, that's a personal, but that, that's why that's why I still don't eat meat. Is it makes total sense to me. <laughs> I don't want to be put out and vomit all the time. Yeah, makes total sense. So we're talking about vomit here. This is what you've come to expect from your Nintendo podcast. Um, <laughs> if you like the show, please rate and review and subscribe on Apple Podcasts. Um, or and- anywhere that you mm-hmm. get your show get the show we uh really appreciate it we everybody do. who has left a review for us it helps us out a lot helps other people find the show mm-hmm. so. another good way to help people find the show is to tweet about us or post about us on facebook we are at nin cart society and just nintendo cartridge society respectively on those two platforms uh we love interacting with y'all it is a good time and if you have uh any other uh feedback or any questions for us you can email us at Nintendo Cartridge Society at, at gmail.com. Uh, Mark, without further ado, let's get into our main topic of the day, which is, of course, our favorite Nintendo trilogies. 
couple stipulations. We're doing this, right, based on the idea that Super Mario Odyssey is the conclusion of a decades-long trilogy that began with Super Mario 64, had the intermediary step of Super Mario Sunshine, and is now done with Odyssey. Yeah, you could say that uh, the Super Mario series is a lot like Indiana Jones, where it had a stellar debut, Mm -hmm. a kind of more controversial second chapter, and then a third chapter that went back to what worked Mm -hmm. so well in the Mm -hmm. first one. That's right. kind of embellished on it. Um, And so... As, as you'll probably be quick to point out, hey, wait a minute, there were 3D Mario games in the interim there. What about Galaxy? What about 3D World? We're not forgetting about those. Oh, no, we remember. We, we remember. We're saying that we can define a trilogy more or less however we want. Um, just that uh, they need to be successive games in what is more or less the same series. Um, and each one needs to uh, improve on the previous or be informed by the previous uh, in like a real or meaningful way. So some of these trilogies are going to be a little, the definition of trilogy is a little bit more flexible. Yeah, right? I have one that I think pretty much breaks all of those rules, but <laughs> is near and dear to my heart. And so I wanted to include it so we could talk about it a little bit. Yeah, and I think that's, and look, if this turns into an argument about whether or not we should include them in our pantheon of trilogies, all the better, I say. Yes? Yes. <laughs> right. Um, and uh, so the, uh, the other stipulation is that they need to be um, featured on Nintendo consoles, uh, even prominently featured on, on like, strongly associated with, with Nintendo consoles. Yes? Yes. Um, all right. Mark, I shall go first. Okay, great. Um, my first entry is going to be the uh, Super Mario 3D series. So Super Mario 3D Land on the DS, or the 3DS rather, Super Mario 3D World on the Wii U, and to round out the trilogy, Captain Toad's Treasure Tracker. Okay, I was wondering where this third one was going to come in. Right. I guess uh, this is this doesn't apply to this one, but uh, all these games must see must have seen North American releases as well. Um, so the Super Mario 3D Land, I think, is a really fun game. Uh, it invents a new kind of Mario game, a st- uh, still like course-based 3D game. I guess Galaxy sort of is too, but it's di- it's it's different. Well, um, especially with the multi. Wait, Land? Are you talking Land? Yeah, I'm talking oh, land, land. The one okay. on the on the 3DS. Um, so which is still like a, a single player experience. Um, but World on the Wii U truly is the Empire Strikes Back of this uh, trilogy in that it takes everything that worked about um, the original and makes it so much more interesting and so much like wider and thicker. Um, it's just a, a, a so much more complete experience. Um, and is a game that is like a total shame is going to be orphaned on the, the Wii U forever, right? That <laughs> like no one will ever, it'll find a way to some other platform at some point. Um, but uh, is so much of that gameplay just like blown up to like crazy, uh, crazy levels, um, and with four players simultaneous, five playable characters, um, it's just such a it's just such a good time and such a good game. Uh, something we talked about a little bit last week in our Super Mario Odyssey episode mm-hmm. was how you know we want to see another like 2d mario like a new super mario brothers maybe not in that style yeah but another like return to 2d mario we want that series to continue just like we want that like 
Super Mario 64 and Odyssey series to continue. I think it'd be interesting to also have this third branch that's more like a 3D mm-hmm. world. Yeah. Like they're all such uh they're all compelling. They're all super fun. Uh you might be a f- more of a fan of one than the mm-hmm. other, but I think they're all interesting and I wish Nintendo had the bandwidth to like pursue all three. Yeah, and I I mean I'm fine with the names of all these games being Super Mario whatever. Um but like it's almost a bummer that all three of them have the exact same identity in that way because they play so differently. Um, like it almost makes me wish that there was like a, a split early on and they were like, no, these are Luigi games and these are, you know, Waluigi games. Right, because then they could like continue to persist theoretically yeah. and not like compete for those Mario resources. Right. Oh, those sweet, sweet Mario resources. Um, and then the capper on that is the Captain Toad's treasure tracker which is maybe more of like a, a dark horse cap to the trilogy um, because the, the Captain Toad uh, levels were introduced in Super Mario 3D World. Um, and, you know, it's sort of like a mini game. And uh, Treasure Tracker is, again, that concept blown out um, to its, its biggest possible uh, iteration. And it's so cute and has so much of the personality of um, the first two games, um, but is really... Uh, you know, is directly informed by um, 3D World. So that that one's, uh, I feel like there's a little bit of like a horseshoe shape or like a left turn in there. Um, but uh, that, that, that's going to that's gonna round out my first trilogy. One thing that is really fun to watch with as the Mario games have become like, uh, I guess like as the graphical fidelity has improved, mm-hmm. you know, as like they become more HD and more expressive, they have just become cuter. Yes. And cuter. Uh, yeah. And more enjoyable. But I was actually reading something that was really interesting today about the development of Galaxy. And when, and uh, forgive me, I can't remember the uh, person who composed the majority of the music for those games. Uh, but Koji Kondo did, I think, like four tracks, and the rest of the tracks were uh, composed by this other person. Mm-hmm. And when he first started composing music for it, he had like, more of a it was it was more cute mm. and when he pr- brought it to koji kondo he was like no this is all wrong mario isn't cute mario is cool and so he had that's so interesting when he went back in uh it's also true mario is he is adorable but he's he's cool too yeah so, yeah so when he went back and like was composing for the rest of the game he he said that he really struggled with it and it took him some time to understand how to write music for super mario because i think there is this like really like cute and fun aesthetic and um but for me anyways i think nintendo does a really good job of walking that thin line to not being like overly uh saccharine right not cloying yeah yeah, like the like the yoshi games Mm -hmm. can be in a fine way like not in a bad way but mario isn't that right even though it is like fun and joyful which can even like uh, uh strengthen my like awe factor you know where i'm like oh i love it <laughs> um it's uh mahito yakota is the uh um the the composer thank you you're welcome and and but i think that's why like uh treasure tracker or captain toad is that mm-hmm. what it, yeah captain, captain toad's treasure tracker yeah. i think that why that's why that game is so much fun is because yeah of course it's cute and adorable but they don't let that become the game. Right. Yes. All right, Mark, let's hear your first trilogy. Okay. My first trilogy is pretty classic. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm going Metroid Zero Mission. 
Super Metroid, and then Metroid Fusion. All right, the 16-bit Metroids. To me, these are the uh, these are the best Metroid games. Mm-hmm. Um, the best Metroid games. The best Metroid, definitely the best trilogy. Mm-hmm. The tightest, tell the most interesting story with the most interesting mechanics, and the most consistently interesting and uh, well thought out games. Yeah, I, and uh, I think those games, those three games, also sort of uh, typify the. Uh, Metroid in the Metroidvania, right? Like Super Metroid more or less is like the first time that we actually see that style of gameplay really in in, in the Metroid series. Um, yeah, this this one was also uh, on, on my list, so I'm going to go and take it off my list. <laughs> well, and I, um, it's very specifically not like the first Metroid game, mm-hmm. because I don't think that game is very much fun to revisit. Yeah, and I mean, also pointedly, uh, uh, the second one, Return of Samus, is not on here. Um, yeah, I think it makes sense that like all of the that they can be unified by the kind of graphical identity, as well as like how you play them. Yeah, and Super Metroid was, it, I you know kind of still is the pinnacle of the series in a lot of ways. And so when they were able to take that and then work backwards, yes, um, before working before like doing a sequel to it, yes. Uh, it like makes total sense mm-hmm. to remake the original Metroid game in the style of Super Metroid. Yeah, and then for on uh, like on top of that, and you know, I mean, in a way that is like Godfather, right? That like the first one starts kind of in the middle of the story, and then we go back for the second entry, and then the third one is the. <laughs> I mean, Fusion's great. Don't get me wrong. Fusion's better than Godfather 3. Fusion is... Look, this is the official canon Nintendo Cartridge Society stance. Metroid Fusion is better than Godfather 3. In the ranking of all things in the universe. Yes, that's right. (laughs) On the big list of things in the universe, uh, Metroid Fusion is above Godfather 3. Um, Great list. uh, Or great great trilogy. Um, And deserving of a spot on both of our lists. Yeah, because I considered for a little bit putting Metroid Prime on here, Mm -hmm. um, the Metroid Prime trilogy, instead of these games. But what I finally settled on was like, and if you go back to our Ranking the Metroids episode, I don't really like uh, the third one all that much. Corruption. Corruption. Mm -hmm. Yeah. uh, Yeah, I I don't actually recall how we uh, ended up ranking them. Um, but I think pretty low, right? Like we we put uh, the original Prime. And that one went very high. That one that one goes very high. The original Prime is a great game. Um, I think that it uh, maybe looks a little worse in the light of its sequels than better. It is Prime is like the Matrix, right? Where you're like, hey, this first one's great, and then the second two, you're like, I guess I can see parts of them that I like, but like eh, overall, I'm out. But they make me appreciate what got what. Yes, was so right about the first one. Absolutely. So that's another uh, thing that's on our board <laughs> is Metroid <laughs> the ranking Prime of all things <laughs> equals the Matrix. Uh, all right. So for my second uh, trilogy, um, this one's a little more abstract. So forgive me. Tetris on the Game Boy, Doctor Mario on the Game Boy and the NES, and Wario's Woods on the NES. A trilogy of block dropping Nintendo puzzle games. So. Uh, can you explain to me how Wario's Woods works? I'm not super familiar with it. Is it just a, basically a Tetris game? Uh, more or less. So the way Wario's Woods works 
is you control Toad, who like walks along the bottom of the screen and like climbs up the towers of blocks that are falling, um, and you rearrange things as they as they fall down. So, um, and you're trying to line up uh, three uh, like enemies that you're trying to get rid of with one bomb, or it can be more than one bomb. Um, and so, like he can climb up towers of of things and uh, place bombs or enemies on top of each other. You're controlling just like the little dude running around the bottom as the blocks fall on top of you. So it's a fun twist on the idea of the falling block puzzle game. Um, and you still use like the how things are falling to your advantage and like clear rows and stuff. Um, but I like for me, that's what makes it like the evolution of this like kind of trilogy of ideas. Um, with uh dr mario um you know taking like mario lights basically just putting mario right in in a, a falling block game um and uh just like kind of tweaking the the tetris formula a little bit and still being like very simple and all about things falling um but uh yeah that's 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 my my whole case for for that being a trilogy yeah, I, I, I can totally see that. Right. <laughs> They're all like, uh, yeah, falling block puzzle games that kind of uh, build on each other. Yeah. But, okay, sorry, just to go back real fast. Wario's Woods, Wario is... The bad guy. The bad guy. Right. And he's the one that is dropping these things onto Toad? Only when you get to the boss levels. Before, the, in all other levels, it's Birdo. But they are his woods. Yes. You are going into, you're going into Wario's Woods. Uh, and you're have you been lured there is like are you there under false pretenses Ooh, i'm not totally up on the lore of oh, warriors okay. woods <laughs> <laughs> but e- each level is a tree that like you go into uh-huh and birdo drops these things on you for the first four levels and then it's wario and then four levels with birdo wario four levels. Oh, when did birdo and wario become when did they team up yeah uh i probably mario tennis sometime <laughs> okay yeah that makes sense they're definitely uh doubles partners <laughs> For sure. I think uh, Birdo is doubles partners with Yoshi. And then Wario and That's Waluigi. That's weird. Because they're not the same. They're not both. They're not the same thing. No, but they're both like dinosaur things, right? I guess. That seems uh, like a pretty broad mm, category. You think I'm painting with too broad a brush? <laughs> I'm, just, I'm not you. They very well, they probably are um, doubles partners. I just hope it was by choice and not by like. They oh, were like, sure. oh, you two look alike. Like, oh, you you two are sort of dinosaurs, both kind of ambiguous with gender. Uh-huh. So we'll pair you guys together. <laughs> uh, okay, so my second trilogy mm-hmm. is, uh, I have two Zelda trilogies in here. Oh, all right. The first one is A Link to the Past, okay. Ocarina of Time, uh-huh. and Twilight Princess. So basically the same game three times. Yes. Okay. This is a great trilogy and a great justification for why they're a trilogy, but go ahead. So they are all incredible games in their own right. Mm-hmm. Link to the Past is my personal favorite of the three, but I think of the formula that these three games uh, kind of like riff on, mm-hmm. that Twilight Princess is, I guess, like the fulfillment of that vision. Yes. Um. Once you look past like the slow beginning section, like we get it, right? It's and kind of the, the bummer, like overworld segments. Like there's <clears throat> the dungeons in Twilight Princess 
are like pinnacle Zelda dungeon. And right? I think there's oh absolutely. Yeah. And I think there is a lot to like in some of the overworld sections. Mm-hmm. Um there are t- times in that game that I was so incredibly frustrated by the overworld segments and by like I don't even know if we count this as the overworld segment, but that like escort mission with the yep. Um the wagon, cart, yeah, the oh. carrying like the Prince Rudo of the uh, the Zoras, absolutely yeah. terrible. But what Twilight Princess does good, it does so incredibly good. Mm-hmm. And uh, look, Ocarina of Time is obviously an amazing game, and it is a milestone for video games. But even with the 3D remake, it's not that fun for me personally to revisit. Mm-hmm. I prefer Link to the Past. I prefer. Twilight Princess. Um, that's interesting. Uh, with the the 3D remake, I, I find Ocarina to be a totally like awesome game to revisit. Um, did uh, I wonder if you can um just shed a little light on why uh um like Wind Waker gets left out of that uh tr- like obviously chronologically you skip over uh Wind Waker to make that that trilogy work right mm-hmm. um why why do you think that that's like what makes wind waker not part of that trilogy well the answer to that question will come further in my list when you introduce another <laughs> when i introduce <laughs> Zelda another trilogy, trilogy. <laughs> but also just because like when you think of the mechanics of those three games mm-hmm. it's very much they are telling the same story yes. using the same um world basically using the same like light dark mechanics you know and uh i don't feel like wind waker fits in yeah well that's in that regard even the aesthetic difference right the the, like the toon link that 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 is um enough too uh i i was also uh i was considering uh for a little bit um you doing a trilogy of uh the hero of time so starting with starting with ocarina of time and then uh Majora's Mask as the part 2 and then part 3 being uh Twilight Princess because the um skeleton uh warrior who teaches you all the extended like hero techniques is canonically the spirit of that link come back to like train the 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 new link um so like I I like that the, those worlds do seem connected um and you know Ocarina of Time is very much just Link to the Past 3D, like in so many ways, and then and I feel like uh, Twilight Princess is the perfection, you know, yes. arguably, but like the perfection of what Ocarina of Time set out to do. Mm-hmm. Like we've talked about before, how uh, the NES is not maybe that great f- to like that fun to revisit, but the Super Nintendo is amazing because the same people who were working on the NES were given the tools that they uh, needed to really uh, fulfill the promise of those NES games. Yes. And I feel like Twilight Princess is kind of the same thing. Ocarina of Time, you know, is, for a lot of people, the greatest game of all time. Mm -hmm. But I think with Twilight Princess, they were really able to blow out that world. Maybe too much. Yeah, But they were able to say, like, Here's what we could do in Ocarina of Time, and here's what we can do like ten years later. Right. Well, and you know, maybe the I would be willing to bet that the only reason that 
Twilight Princess favor or compares unfavorably to Ocarina is just the years in which they were released, right? Like if somehow in some magical universe they were both to magically uh release for the first time now that we would be like, oh yeah, Twilight Princess is obviously a better game. I mean, I think there is something to the sim the simplicity of Ocarina of Time. <laughs> uh and like because they were working with more limitations, there is less like bloat, I yeah. guess you could say, than there is in Twilight Princess is much more like sleek, uh clearly mm, defined there's, there's game. Bloat but... in, in all those games. <laughs> in or in both those three games. I mean, Ocarina of Time is not exactly the most fast paced. Right. Game. It'll it'll take you a long time to get yeah. through. All right, my next trilogy, uh, it was my number three was going to be the um, uh, Metroid one, um, but instead I will go with this alternate, or no, not this alternate, just the next one on my list, Donkey Kong, Donkey Kong Jr., Donkey Kong 94. Oh, great. So I'm skipping over um, the uh, Donkey Kong 3, which is a game that I bring up on this podcast almost every week, <laughs> but isn't very good. Um, and doesn't feature Mario in any way, um, and also doesn't really feature any of the gameplay from the first two Donkey Kong games. Um, you know I'm a big fan of uh, Donkey Kong and Donkey Kong Jr., um, and I just I love that sort of um, simple uh, one-screen platforming kind of score-based challenge. Um, and I think the original Donkey Kong is probably the stronger game, um, but two builds on um donkey kong jr's like mobility over um mario's in in the first one maybe making it a slightly more complicated and then therefore like less sleek game um but i think a lot of those uh like changes to mobility inform um mario's new abilities in donkey kong 94 which is the game boy color um release of donkey kong where um it be it almost becomes like a puzzle platformer um and that you have to utilize all of mario's different abilities like a backflip or a triple jump or whatever to really get around the map um still these like very simple they're no longer just like single screen levels but uh still still very simple um levels where like you can see it all laid out in front of you and it's just about traversing it um so yeah that and that one almost seems like it is you know a more more obvious direct sequel to the original donkey kong but i think is uh very obviously informed by donkey kong jr i've never played donkey kong 94 before i've heard especially recently only Mm -hmm. really amazing things about it and is it available on virtual console on the 3ds on the 3ds um and is absolutely worth checking out it uh kind of birthed the uh mario versus donkey kong series which uh early in its run was uh i mean more more of of that style of gameplay and then eventually turned into this um like March of the Minis, um, which is more like Lemmings gameplay, which is still fun, um, but kind of loses the one to one control over the characters aspect of it. So um it's weird that like Donkey Kong ninety four kind of starts to morph the series into something I don't like. Um, but in that moment is sort of like the perfect balance of this one kind of thing that I like and this other thing that it was. So it's like the Resident Evil four of Donkey Kong games. Yeah, it is like the Resident Evil 4 of Donkey Kong games and is really the fourth Donkey Kong game, right? Yeah. I wonder how deep these parallels <laughs> go, Mark. 
That'll be a future episode. How is Donkey Kong identical? <laughs> Mere mortal should not dabble. <laughs> All right. Mm-hmm. Well, okay. So uh, I'll just go ahead and follow up my first Legend of Zelda pick with my second one. Let's bring it which on. Which is going is Wind Waker, Phantom Hourglass, and Spirit Tracks. All right. Now, so, you're not a big fan of Spirit Tracks, right? Uh, I. It is definitely probably... I won't say my least favorite Zelda game, mm-hmm. but yeah, I did not love it. It's tough because we have these rankings <laughs> <laughs> recorded somewhere. Yeah. I can't remember what they are. <laughs> oh, I mean, no, I definitely remember. I don't like Spirit Tracks that yeah. much. But I do admire what they were trying to do um, with it. It's also kind of like, it's a loose fit in here. And I guess it's more, um, Spirit Tracks is here like aesthetically. Uh, Wind Waker and Phantom Hourglass are very directly linked, mm-hmm. as in Phantom Hourglass is a direct sequel to Wind Waker. Yes. Spirit Tracks takes place like a hundred years after. Was that right? Phantom I Hourglass. I, I don't remember that. That it's it's this it's a a different character. Right. Okay. Yeah. And there are links, no pun intended, mm-hmm. to uh the first two games, but mostly it's kind of like an aesthetic choice. And you're existing in that same world where these other mm-hmm. characters existed. And it like, controls tet- the like, same way too, right? Yeah, yeah. And like Tetra is there and all that kind of stuff. Is uh, uh, Linebeck, that's his name, right? The guy who's the captain of the ship I in... I don't uh, think so. Because think again, he's there? Yeah. I don't think so. Okay. But basically, I like this because it... That'd be um, a good Smash character. Oh, we gotta go back be, and re Oh, that would Linebeck be Linebeck would be such a good Smash character. That'd be a great Smash character. Or Tetra. Yeah. Sorry, um, keep, keep going. No, no, no. Basically, just like Wind Waker, when it was revealed and when it fir- was kind of like reviled. Yeah. And, you know, Nintendo pretty quickly, even though the game came out and was like fairly successful and is now well regarded, Nintendo pretty quickly walked away from Toon Link. Yeah. And yeah, he would show up as like a bonus character in some things. But they got the message loud and clear that people did not want this, like, cel-shaded Link. Mm-hmm. And, but he's such a great character. Yeah. And he, he's so expressive. Mm-hmm. Like, the characters in, those, in the, that game, especially for the time, were so interesting and, like, intricate in a way that 3D realistic Link w- maybe still is not, even in the uh, Breath of the Wild. This is right. The, uh, that, uh... Like normal, uh, whatever you want to call him. Not he's obviously not photorealistic, but you know the sort of normal proportion link is not a super interesting character. I can't think of a a, a non Toon Link game that characterizes the main character well, right? Um, it makes me you know like we were just saying that there are all these different flavors of Mario game, and we'd like to see them all continue going forward. I would like to see them make a new Toon Link game. And for a while they were, and that's why it was yes. so great. You yes. know, that's why it was uh, Phantom Hourglass. I think is so much fun. The Temple, the Ocean King didn't bother me. I know some Revisiting people... Revisiting it, yeah. Yeah, I, I know that that is a deal breaker for a lot of people. For me, I, it didn't bother me at all. I thought they did really interesting things with the DS. Um, I remember that part, and to solve the puzzle, you have to like close yeah the clamshell so that way the seal or whatever it was could like go from one screen to the other like stuff like that was so cool but Here's most a of all i just you. loved the wind waker world and so seeing it come back yeah in a new adventure was great sorry what was your question 
So you can play DS games on a 3DS, uh-huh. right? So you can play DS games on a 2DS. How do you How do you close it? Can you play 2DS ga- Can you play two, uh DS games on a 2DS? I don't know why you wouldn't be able to. Doesn't it require back I mean, I don't know. I assume that the 2DS is continues to be backwards compatible to DS. You're right. It probably is. I don't know. With this we need to investigate this. Cause well, if dear listener, if you know, yes, you can write into us at Nintendo Cartridge Society at, at gmail dot com. Um, Mark, that's a that's a good trilogy. Should we move on to my next? Yep. All right. Um, this one throwing you a curveball, Mark. Mm. This trilogy, Game Boy, Game Boy Color, Game Boy Advanced. Whoa! It's a hardware trilogy. <laughs> threw your phone <laughs> I threw down my phone and down. Triumph. <laughs> and now I'm gesturing wildly to the left <laughs> and to the right. Um, so the whole Game Boy line, right? Uh, obviously sunsetted when the, um, uh, DS was announced and I guess when it was proven to be successful for a while, it was a three pillar strategy. Really hedging their bets there. Really hedging their bets. No, no, no. We still have Game Boys. (laughs) Um, but I mean that for me, like does such a good job of defining, uh, like the role that Nintendo dug out for themselves in the market um, and that they still, you know, like a lot of the reason for the Switch's success is the fact that it is kind of a portable thing. Um, and so uh, Game Boy being such, so limited in its uh, in its hardware and what the thing could actually pull off um, and just the gradual upgrade to the, to the Game Boy Color and reiterating on all all of the things that made the original Game Boy successful. Um, and, you know, for being like a, a weird little middle child between um, the Game Boy and the Game Boy Advance, the Game Boy Color had some huge games on it. Donkey Kong 94 is on there, uh, which we've already talked about. Pokemon Yellow, um, also Silver and Gold. Uh, those are Game Boy Color games. Um, just huge games, right? That just like perpetuated this thing. And then the Game Boy Advance, I know. Uh, you love that machine. Uh, it's great, um, and had so many like classic Nintendo and Super Nintendo games on it, plus a cool library of its own with all these like um, RPGs and stuff. Um, yeah, like th- it. It's hard for me to think of um, like Nintendo trios without including the the Game Boy family of systems. Yeah, they're all. Each is an incredible system in its own right, which is really remarkable for the Game Boy Color. Because yeah. it really was kind of a uh, a way to extend mm-hmm. the Game Boy, the original Game Boy's life. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, it worked so well. It worked incredibly well. And just like, yeah, it, it's, a, it's the sort of thing that makes me, you know, whenever we talk about like the new direction for um, classic consoles, um, like if, you know, if they did a, a Game Boy uh, a Game Boy Classic, like would it be a Game Boy Classic, Game Boy Color Classic? Is that too much? Is that too, is the combined libraries of the Game Boy and the Game Boy I Color? I think it'd be too, too big? hard, but <laughs> yeah. I don't know that like on a practical level you could do a Game Boy and a Game Boy Color classic Just separately. Edition, yeah, but I think they both have libraries that would justify it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, a- absolutely. So especially like you would have to do like Advance would have to be its own thing. Oh yeah, that that the Advance could be its own thing, but Game Boy Color and Game Boy like. That would be there would be so many like stone cold classics on there. You'd have three Zelda games, right? Uh, three good Zelda games, which I guess could be another trilogy 
I don't have it on my list, but and uh, you've already got two Zelda trilogies. <laughs> but um, the uh, Link's Awakening and Oracle of Ages and Seasons um, are all like you know phenomenal games. So I'm going to throw you a little bit of a curveball. Oh, right. I love curveballs. All right. So mine trilogy this is like the loose one that actually kind of breaks the trilogy rules mm-hmm. but it's uh super mario brothers duck hunt and world-class track yes <laughs> yes a trilogy released at, i mean not at the same time because those games have different release years so the reason why is it a, it is a trilogy in my mind yes is because and when i was doing research for this i actually learned that we, my family got the NES much later than I thought we did because in 1990, there was a uh, Nintendo Entertainment System bundle, basically, that was re- released that came with the system, mm-hmm. a zapper gun, a power pad, and on one cart, mm-hmm. it had Mario Brothers, Duck Hunt, and World Class Track Meet. And that is the system my my family must have uh, purchased, which comes much later than I realized. So this is the system that we had as well. This is the one that my parents purchased for us. Um, so yeah, it, the, totally for me, this is like a quintessential Nintendo trilogy. Yeah. So like on one cartridge, you would have these three games. And mm-hmm. when you put the cartridge in, um, you could like press left or right on the D-pad and it would take you to basically like not a title screen, but just a logo for each of these three games. And then you could hit start or select and it would bring you into the game itself. And man, we didn't, we rented a lot of games. We didn't own a ton of Nintendo games. And, but this was one that I put so much time into. Oh my God. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, And it's so neat that like each one of them is a, wholly different game experience right um complete with a different way to interact with it different ways to control it um and you know between the zapper and the power pad it's sort of like i don't know it it represents like nintendo's uh like innovation where control is involved sometimes for better for worse right like the uh, when you're a kid you're always cheating with world class track meet right like pounding with your fists to like make them run fast or jump <laughs> by just lifting your arms off i was always mystified by the power pad in general because mm-hmm. the only game i ever saw that worked with it was this world class track meet and you know it it had rows of buttons yes that you never what was the utility of all of those and then you flipped it over right. and it had a whole nother configuration um for like some aerobics game aerobics or game yeah. or like something that i never saw so there was so much like mystery in the power pad it felt like powerful yeah it felt like what's going on here <laughs> um but that's another example of uh almost like a hardware trilogy of um the nes controller the nes zapper and the power pad um yeah as the generations went on um like there was like the super scope for, yeah, the, for the SNES, but the peripherals until the Wii era really kind of died off. There was it wasn't so much of a thing. Whereas like for that first generation, peripherals were a huge part of the Nintendo experience. Right, and we're not even talking about the power glove. We're not talking about the the U Force. You remember the U Force? No, U Force was like uh, I guess it's sort of like a like a laptop, which is what I'm thinking because there's one in front of me right now. 
um, where you like put your hands like in the field generated by it, and like you could move your hand up and it would read as up, or like your hand down and it would. Read oh as wow, down. no! I mean, we're not even we not even to mention Rob. Oh yeah, Rob the robot. <laughs> yeah, that's right. He would spin your little discs for you and push buttons for gyromite. Yeah, so maybe it was a holdover from Nintendo's push to like position the NES as more of a toy, yeah, than a video game system. Uh, but for whatever reason, those days, like, I guess we were able to revisit them with the Wii when there was lots of, like, useless plastic things you could attach to your Wiimote and swing around like a tennis racket or... Yeah, like an idiot. <laughs> <laughs> um, I will count that. I have no argument from me, Mark. That's, that's a, I think, a perfect trilogy. We broke all the rules and we love it. We love it. Okay, so I uh, have one more. We're, we're doing five uh, of, of each of these. So I've got... Three different ones to choose from, Mark. Um, well, we'll come back and revisit all of them. We'll, right? we'll, yeah, so we'll, like... we'll revisit all. Uh, so here's, here's one that I'm going to call... Uh, I'm not going to call it anything. It starts with Final Fantasy Adventure on the Game Boy, and then moves to The Secret of Mana mm-hmm. on the Super NES, and then concludes with The Secret of Evermore, also on the NES. All developed by Square, all on um, Nintendo platforms. Um, the uh, studio within Square that developed Evermore is uh, like an American or uh, possibly a European studio. It's not the the uh, like main Japanese. Yeah, it was studio a Western studio for sure. Yeah, um, and you know it is obviously a like Western take on the Secret of Mana formula, um, and is like a sort of monster movie sci-fi version of that uh, sort of role-playing adventure game. Um, that uh, started very primitively in the, the Game Boy Final Fantasy Adventure, which was, I mean, that's technically part of that same series. Just um, retitled for just America. Retitled, yeah. Um, and uh, yeah, there, there is a third, there actually is a Secret of, of Mana trilogy, uh, but we didn't see part three. Second Densetsu or something? Second Densetsu, yeah. I think is correct. But we never saw the the end of it uh, here. But we got something totally different, um, and that to this day I still think is more fun than Secret of Mana. Yeah, like, you're a big Secret of Evermore booster. I love it. Um, I've got the cart, um, and you and I should play it someday. I've never played it before. I think it's more fun than and the uh, the the two characters in it are. First of all, it's just two at a time instead of three, which is a little bit more manageable. Um, and the two characters are the, the kid and his dog. Um, and the dog transforms from world to world because uh, it's like this magical place. Um, so like, I don't know. It just, it's got more, um, it is both simpler and more inventive at the same time. Um, instead of having like three characters and like some kind of weird dialogue, it's knowingly cheesy and like plays to all these like sci-fi tropes. Um, and then there's this dog that transforms as you go from world to world. You're in a caveman world, and he's like a you know a big hulking like wolf dog. And then you go to a like fancy medieval world, and he's like a a pink um uh oh those dogs that had the puffy ones that in dog shows help me out here. Poodles? Yes, poodle is correct. He turns into a poodle, and then eventually into a like toaster-shaped robot dog. We should definitely play it. I would love to because it's a game I haven't experienced at all. Is it? Does it follow the same kind of like tropes of uh, Secret of Mana or I guess Square RPGs in general at this time, where there's a lot of like uh, science and nature coming together to form some weird technology? 
So not really. It's the the conceit of the game is that your uncle or whatever is is an inventor who invented a machine that uh, allows people to enter realities of their own design. And so he invites his like four most interesting friends over and they all uh, create their own worlds. And so you stumble into their worlds. Um, so it is technology leading you to these, uh, you know, one person was uh, an archaeologist. And so you go to, actually, I guess a couple of them are archaeologists. Uh, but so, you know, you go to this prehistoric world that like the, the little girl uh, imagined for herself. And then you go to like an Egypt kind of level, which is where like the, the scientist archaeologist, that's the world that he made for himself. Um, so like thematically, no, I would say it's actually quite different from uh, the regular Square stuff. Yeah, we should check it out. It's a cool it game. Sounds really interesting. So my uh, final trilogy is one that I've talked about before on this show a lot. I love it. I keep bringing it up because even though it's readily available, I want more people to experience it. It's the Phoenix Wright trilogy. Yeah. On, uh, for me, the Nintendo DS. Yeah, Phoenix Wright, Phoenix Wright Ace Attorney, Justice for All, and Trials and Tribulations. So those are one, two, and three, right? Those yeah. are one, two, and three. They were all released on the DS. Um, I think there's a trilogy collection that's out on the 3ds they're all available on like ios and android they are so much fun i can't endorse all like the spin-offs and uh-huh. all that kind of stuff but these first three games are um i don't know for me they really like scratched an itch of like point and click adventure games yeah in in a time when those weren't being made like i think the first Ace Attorney game came out on the DS in America around the same time that like the Strong Bad Telltale game came out on WiiWare. Yeah, that sort of tracks. Maybe even a little bit earlier. And so obviously like there were on consoles there were like the beginnings of this resurgence in uh point and click adventure games, but it was uh still a ways off before mm-hmm. they were really popular. And so that was really fun to revisit kind of like that idea from my childhood. But it also introduced me to, I guess, like visual novels, which I had never... There's a lot of dialogue in these games. Like interacting with characters is the majority of the game and is like the fun right. of the, the game. Right, the prime way you interact with it, yeah. But the, uh, the localizations in these first three games are really well done. They're a lot of fun. Uh, the characters are great. The mysteries are interesting. The mechanics of the game are unique and fun. I just, I really like... For some reason, this is like a trilogy that really brings me a lot of joy. Yeah. Uh, and yeah, I just I think it's uh, a lot of fun. Um, are are there uh, games um, from beyond the original trilogy that you're like, oh, kind of a bummer, I can't include that in like my, my trilogy here, or is it really just like that that core? Yeah, I mean, there have been spinoff games. There's a character named Miles edgeworth who is a great character who got um like a miles edgeworth investigate or ace attorney investigation something like that like spinoff series mm-hmm. there was a uh professor layton and ace attorney mashup crossover, ga- yeah. crossover game that i don't think ever got localized but no there's also like um apollo justice which was kind of a sequel kind of a spinoff with a different lead character still in the same universe all, a lot of these games are good, and a lot of them are fun, but none of them... Yeah, capture that magic like of the, the first three. Of the first three, for sure. Um, how do they... Do do they, like, grow and change from, like, one to the next, or is it basically just, like, the same formula repeated three times? 
Um, they are very. These first three games are very similar. Mm-hmm. Uh, the kind of the. I don't know that mechanically there's a lot of growth. I think what's really interesting is that the, um, story or like the lore of the series does it's it does it's serialized. Like, oh, interesting. There is like an overarching or an arc yeah. for all of the characters throughout the game, and there are like consequences to choices. Basically, if you like succeed, there's it's not like there's alternate endings or anything. Yeah. But like, uh, when you play through the game, you see the character the story of these characters and how they grow and change. And, um, you know, it's all like goofy and lighthearted, but there is murder. And I don't know. There's just like something fun about that combination. Yeah. That just makes it a really great series. I, if you have ever been interested, even if you don't pick it up on a Nintendo console, they're for sure worth checking out. Um, another fine entry. We did, we did so good, Mark. <laughs> I, I think we came up with, uh, 10 great trilogies. Uh, here are two more. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so th- this one is super loose, which is why I didn't make it onto like my my main list. Um, and it includes a game that all these most of these games have sequels. Um, so Star Tropics, Earthbound, Contact. I've never played Contact. So it's con- the DS. It's uh, a DS game by yeah. Grasshopper or some like weird it's, some studio that yeah, it is some studio like that. Um, but so all of these games to me share a similar sensibility that is not too different from like Secret of Evermore. Um, the sort of like uh, American kid thrown into like modern day kid thrown into like kind of weird sci-fi ish stuff. Um, and obviously where this gets uh tricky is um, Star Tropics has a, a sequel, Star Tropics Two, and uh. Earthbound um, has both a game before it and a game after. Uh, if we were in Japan, my, it could have just been the Mother Trilogy, and I could have just claimed that. Um, but so that's kind of my like weak workaround for that. And no, I think I love it. I think that's a great uh, list because uh, again, having not played Contact, but I feel like especially those first two, um, there is such a connection in the way that it's like Japanese developers. You know, like mm-hmm. filtering their ideas about American culture, you know, and yeah. it, it makes for a very, it's a little bit like a funhouse mirror version mm-hmm. of the world where like you can see yourself in it in a weird way, but but it's like, instead of being real, realistic, it's like fun and heartwarming, if that makes yeah. sense. Yes, it's just abstracted enough for you, for it to be like something that you can really connect with. Um and like just weird little things that recur from them, like both Ness and Mike use yo-yos and bats to it. Like these things that like what what are the Japanese thinking of us? Where they're like, uh, they use yo-yos, right? <laughs> <laughs> um, I don't know. It's 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 all very like idiosyncratic, and um, it's weird that those similarities pop up. When you were describing Secret of Evermore, I was getting very uh star tropics vibes from it yes uh and you know obviously i'm a big fan of star tropics yeah. so that would it would you know what uh, let's let's take uh, contact off my list and put secret <laughs> of evermore it can cap both those trilogies. more evermore more evermore uh and then of course my final um alternate is uh donkey konga donkey konga 2 and donkey kong jungle beat <laughs> <laughs> because I'm a sucker for controlling anything with those bongo <laughs> drums. Man, that's fun. 
Uh, I never played Jungle Beat. I had the original Donkey Konga mm-hmm. and um, Peripheral, obviously. Right. Um, the original Donkey Konga I had so much fun with that my buddy Paul and I went out and bought three extra <laughs> bongos so we could play it four player. Um, which is insane. No, I don't know anyone. I've never met another human being or heard of another human being who had four sets of bongo drums. <laughs> um, because it's just insane. Uh, and like, it's too much noise <laughs> when you get four of those in one room. It doesn't make any sense. Um, but uh, yeah, I played so much of that original game. Uh, that even though the song list in the second game is far worse. Um, it doesn't really have any cool, you know, like the, the first one had like that cool, like Samba Mario remix and, um, the, the Zelda theme was in there and like Pokemon theme, all these like cool Nintendo things. Yeah. You can listen to at least one of those. If you go back to, I think our original music episode that we did about Uh, a year ago. I did the, yeah, they pulled the, the Zelda, uh, one, I believe, um, which is great. Uh, and then, um, Jungle Beat is the uh, last of them where you control Donkey Kong running around. It's a platformer. Yeah, with the bongo drums. It doesn't necessarily work. Well, in fact, it's a platformer uh, that was developed by, at the time, EAD Tokyo. Mm -hmm. And it was the game that got them the job of developing for the uh, Core Mario series. And we got Super Mario Galaxy out of that. Perfect. Hey, guys. Great trajectory. (laughs) So maybe that's a different trilogy. Donkey Kong Jungle Beat. Galaxy 1, Galaxy 2. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Mark, we've been talking trilogies for a good long time, so let's, uh, let's get in position to close out this episode. Certainly, we missed some trilogies. Uh, notably, we didn't mention Mario 1, 2, and 3, or Donkey Kong Country 1, 2, 3. <laughs> But whatever. If you have trilogies that you think that we missed beyond those two super obvious ones. Well, and we didn't miss Donkey Kong Country. Oh. Right? We purposely left it off our list. I I could make a case for Donkey Kong Country, Donkey Kong Country Returns, Donkey Kong Country Tropical Freeze. Oh, yeah. I I I could make a case for that trilogy. I would feel okay about that. Um, So don't use that one either. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, But tweet at us at Nincart Society, uh, right on the Facebook page, Nintendo Cartridge Society, or just send us a email nintendo cartridge society at gmail.com uh and let us know what what we missed um i'm sure there are a bunch kid icarus there are three of those games there's another one um but who really cares about the second or the first for that matter mark we're (laughs) we're done with this episode uh please rate review and subscribe on uh apple podcasts um, if you like Mark and Mind's opinions, we write about comic books on retconpunch.com. Olivia Duncan made our logo. Our music is provided by 8-Bit Betty. You can check out more of his music by going to 8bitbetty.com or by listening right now. For my co-host, Mark Mitchell, this is Patrick Ellers saying thanks for listening. Network.